1: from the Derek Duval Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall!
2: Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Please, please, sit. Thank you. Thank you, sit. Welcome to another fantastic episode of The Derek Duval Show. <laughs> I am Derek, and this is another journey into the lives of extraordinary people. We've got a real special one for you today, folks. Before we get started, I want to say thanks again to the star of episode 63, Justin Jackson from Transistor FM. It ended up being a very, very popular episode, and I hope more people got to see the amazing work that they are doing over there. So thank you again, Justin. So that being said, welcome to episode 64. And we've got a really great one for you today, folks. We have on the show, Hannah Mandelbaum co-founder of the incredibly popular Evermore Pet Food, the first of its kind beyond human grade dog food. She has an incredible story to tell. And on a personal note, she's one of the nicest people I have ever had the privilege of interviewing in my nearly three years doing this. So let's not waste any time. Let's just go ahead and get her on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet. And welcome to the show, the fairy dog mother of Evermore Pet Food, Hannah Mandelbaum. good afternoon hannah welcome to the Dark of all show how's the weather been out by you
0: oh it's um quite sticky and warm
2: i start my interviews off with the same question i've asked countless others before you how has it been for you to navigate the COVID 19 pandemic
0: you know i've actually been quite lucky in that regards from a professional standpoint my work has stayed completely and exactly the same and on a personal level things have actually transformed for the better. I was living in New York City when it hit and my partner and I had this, well, he was convinced they were gonna close the bridges um, and the tunnels and we were gonna be locked in. So it turned into this escape from New York moment. um, Oh, wow. Yeah, where we fled to upstate. And before that, we'd been like spraying down elevator buttons with alcohol. So we really didn't need to get out of there. I totally Um, understand. Yeah, we fled to like Verdant, upstate New York. where I actually grew up in the Catskills and um, we were lucky enough that my family actually had a little extra house for us to rent. So we just managed to have the best possible experience. And I got to reconnect with some of my earlier interests, like painting and bike riding and hiking. So there was something really nice about that stillness. And I'm like a little bit guilty about it because mm-hmm. I know how hard So many people in the world were struggling.
2: You know, I've made this comment often on the last three years of my show, and the pandemic brought forth a new era of, I would say, human creativity amidst all the tragedy that we were all facing. Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's been my experience, and I've certainly slowed down my life in a lot of ways. And Mm. being just up in the country here, I've had so many opportunities to just appreciate the changing of seasons. and the trees growing around me and just just these little things that in New York City you don't get to appreciate.
2: Every journey has a beginning. Where are you from and what was it like growing up there?
0: Sure. I'm actually originally from about 15 miles where I am right now, which is Kingston, New York. Uh, it's actually a very suddenly vogue place to live. But when I was there, uh, born in the early 80s, it was actually beginning to go through this extreme depressive time. It was an IBM town. And there was a big plant which closed down, I think in the mid eighties. So, so many people lost their jobs, families moved away and it became this kind of economically depressed area, but we were so surrounded by natural beauty. And this is something I totally took for granted as, you know, a child and then teenager that there's all these beautiful places to go hiking and biking and gorgeous mountains. None of that mattered to me. I was Mm. bored as hell and couldn't wait to get out. (laughs) So that's what it was like growing up, just not taking for granted everything that I had here.
2: Okay. Do you have any favorite memories from the university of Chicago?
0: You know, it's funny. One of the mottos of that school is it's where fun comes to die. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I was pretty much in a grind most of the time. And all of, all of the memories I have that were like my favorite memories, I'll probably have to plea the fifth on. Because <laughs> I wouldn't let the fun die. Yeah, it just honestly, the most beautiful things about there too was it was right pretty much. Oh, actually, here's a great thing. Um, okay. I got to see Barack Obama all the time. Oh, before wow. anyone had any clue who he was, he was a law professor on campus. And I worked in a bookstore, and he definitely bought a book or two for me. But I also remember, there was this little French pastry cafe that I used to go to a lot. And he used to go there a lot. And I remember sitting in the room with this man, and I couldn't help but notice him, even though he was just quiet and reading his book, he just had this aura about him. And I was just wondering, who is this very dignified looking man? And I'd see him, and I guess now I know it's Michelle Obama and they're two very young children in Hyde Park all the time. And I would just think, what a beautiful family. And then <laughs> then, you know, then he started getting to politics and I saw the signs and then he was president. I was like, oh, that's him. <laughs> so he, did. he was actually a very important person. So that's that's just one of the more fun memories I have. That's, uh, you know, PG.
2: I am currently listening to his audiobook right now. It's absolutely amazing.
0: He is such oh. an amazing writer. Um, thats mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I read that one. That's the most recent one, right? Um, yeah, he's such a good writer. And I, I've read Michelle's The Becoming, which right. I think was required reading for the whole country.
2: Okay, where did you and Allison meet? And at what point did you two look at each other and decide to become, I want to say this slowly so I make sure I get it right, okay? The sorceress and fairy dog mother of Evermore Pet Food, which for the record, those are awesome names.
0: Okay, so this is actually, there's so much of a story here um this could be a 45 minute monologue but (laughs) we originally met when i was a dog walker in brooklyn and she actually had a dog named connor and the first first meeting we had was on the street and i had this sort of army surplus bag that had a Canadian, like a Canadian flag on it. And I am not Canadian, but she stopped and asked me if I was Canadian for obvious reasons, because she was born in Canada. And that was our very first meeting, but not too much longer after that, I became her dog walker. And that is how, you know, that is our original story. And everyone would think here, okay, that's great. That's the story. She's a chef, Hannah's a dog walker that's how they started a company together. But that wasn't the story at all. Another one of my clients was a sort of eccentric older woman who was an artist herself. And she had sort of this underground dog food company that she started after 9-11 because she had lived in Tribeca. And like a lot of people in Tribeca at the time, when the towers fell, They didn't leave like nobody really wanted to leave their neighborhood and their homes and they wanted to stay there and rally for the city, even though they were definitely warned to evacuate. Uh, And what happened was her dog got diagnosed with cancer, not that long after actually a lot of the dogs in the neighborhood got cancer, which now we're seeing that with the people it's just dogs are smaller, more sensitive animals and the dog was given a six month prognosis. So she kind of freaked out, did everything she could to learn about natural ways to help keep him alive longer, and she started cooking for him. Miraculously, he lived another six years. And in the meantime, all of these people from the neighborhood came to her, and she sort of just started cooking for all the dogs in the neighborhood and turned this into this, like I said, underground dog food company. It was kind of scaled, but it wasn't totally a legit business. Anyway, she got priced out of Tribeca, Tribeca, moved to my neighborhood, I became her dog walker. One day I get a call from her that she was in the middle of having a stroke. And you know, I'm like, did you call 911? No, okay, you definitely need to call 911. But I rushed over and kind of stepped into this daughter role. She had no one else, she was very much a loner. And I just helped her deal with all of her affairs. She was supposed to be better in six weeks and she was gonna be in rehab and I was just gonna help handle everything. In the meantime, Allison, who hadn't been around for a while, was returning from a job at a camp where she had been helping to convert everything off of Cisco processed foods to fresh locally sourced home-cooked meals. And a mutual friend let her know about the situation where the apartment was open and she could sublet and also help make dog food. We thought this would be a very temporary situation. However, while Mia was in the hospital that was her name Mia, she actually had another stroke. And basically she was rendered unable to speak or swallow and paralyzed except for she had some movement in her hands. So what we thought was gonna be a short-term thing turned it into a much more complicated situation and we were still kind of running around taking care of the dog food business but over time it became more and more clear she wasn't going to recover so very much with her blessing we decided that you know what we're going to continue on your legacy but we had to start over (laughs) once we looked under the hood of the company it definitely needed to be a new thing so we stepped in had this very steep learning curve And started Evermore. Not much longer after that, um, Mia passed away. Not before I rehomed her dog, though. I did manage to Mm -hmm. find the dog that she had at the time, a new home. So that is the short version of a very long story.
2: Your Cliff nuts version was incredible. Well done. So why pet food, of all things? You say she is cooking dog food, but when exactly did you both realize you both could turn this into a very profitable business?
0: Well at the time there weren't very many foods like the food that we make it's a a cooked food that's sold frozen and right now there's a lot of foods on the market like that but at the time there were raw foods and there were canned and uh, kibbles but there wasn't really anything in that that place that fresh food place that was like home cooked like this i mean it was really something the dog food life chose us. We didn't choose the dog food life. Like it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't really something that we thought about or had a business plan for. Right. But the industry is massive. I think it's, I I really don't want to remember these numbers, but I think it's like 44 billion in the US projected for 2022. Don't quote me on that, but it's huge. (laughs) Um, But um, so it really, it's a good industry to be in. Also, just from the proof on our own end, Allison at the time, had a dog named Connor and he actually, he he lived to be 17 and a half. We actually lost him not that long ago, but he at the time was six years old and had been eating actually raw food. His entire life was super healthy, but he was starting to put on a little bit of weight and his stools weren't great. And after he started eating this food, Mia's food, it was just, it was transformative he started losing weight, he had more energy. So we were seeing firsthand that this was really a product that could bring a lot of benefit to a lot of dogs. And being in this very open-minded place where we had trust in the universe, uh, we just sort of, we had to sort of leap with faith into the situation that had been handed to us in a very tragic way, but it, it felt like it was somehow faded.
2: Okay, Deval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break. This gives you a chance to stretch, refresh the drink, pay attention to two friends of the show, and we will be right back.
1: Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today.
2: Janay Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in operation enduring freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Kay.
1: And I'm Jay. We all know that a lot of us spend most of our waking hours at work, so naturally the majority of our stories come from the many different characters and situations we run into at the workplace.
0: Because of this, we bring you the My Work Life podcast. On this podcast, we will be sharing your stories from the workplace, no matter what they may be, so we can all laugh and commiserate together.
1: Does someone at work have horrible habits?
0: Crazy bosses that have no idea what they're doing.
1: Hilarious blow-ups from coworkers.
0: Even if you just need to rant. We want to hear it.
1: Everything will be completely anonymous, so don't be afraid to spill your guts.
0: That's right. All names of people and companies will not be disclosed, so send us your best. No story is too small.
1: Email your stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com.
0: That's fmwlpod at gmail.com.
1: New episodes drop every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods.
0: For more fun content, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FMWLPod.
2: We can't wait to hear from you.
0: Bye.
2: Bye. Welcome back to The Derek All Show. Let's not waste a second and get right back to the conclusion of our interview with the co-founder of Evermore Pet Food, Hannah Mandelbaum. As a dog dad myself, why should someone like me choose your food over another brand?
0: Sure. After this, you're going to have to tell me all about your dog. <laughs> but, you know, that's a really great question. It, first of all, fresh food. I could get into a whole discussion about why fresh food is the best. Right. Um, you know, most dog food is really, really processed with ingredients that you don't even want to know about Uh, standard pet foods can have animals that are diseased or food that was condemned and they're processed at super high temperatures and loaded up with vitamins to make up for the fact that the food doesn't have nutritional value. But then if you're looking at the new kind of emerging exploding fresh food category. So if you're looking at other foods that look similar to what we do, where we really distinguish ourselves is we really, really care about animal welfare. So the, the meats that go into our food are from really well-raised animals. They're you know, 100% grass-fed, uh, free-range poultry, and we focus on regenerative agriculture. So these are protein sources that not only are not detrimental to the environment, but they're actually helpful. Um, and we use organic produce. I I could go on and on and right. on for hours about this.
2: So what would you say would be your most popular product that you offer?
0: Well, it's we only have four products, but I would say our beef is our biggest seller. And that is made from grass-fed beef from Northern California.
2: How long did it take you to decide on the types of food options that you offer?
0: Well, we inherited the first two, the beef and the chicken. And then we always knew we wanted to add more proteins and it took us an embarrassingly long amount of time to add, to add three and four. And the next two were lamb and Turkey. And honestly, if you're looking at just available proteins, it's a, uh, it's what is possible to source balanced against price balanced against the different features of the different proteins. So for example, lamb is a higher fat protein and is useful for dogs in certain situations like you're going to have dogs with epilepsy, dogs with cancer, you know, working dogs, dogs with higher energy, or dogs that need to gain weight are going to do well on lamb. Also dogs with maybe allergies to other proteins and turkey is just um another great lean protein option. Sometimes dogs are sensitive to chicken but not turkey. And um you know, we just want to we want to offer an array. If I had my druthers we would be adding some more proteins, but like I said it's Sometimes it's hard to find protein sources that we like at the quantity that we need with the, you know, with the ethical considerations that we have.
2: Where do you source your ingredients from and can you walk us through the checklist that the sourced food must meet?
0: Sure, I really wish Allison were here for this one, but <laughs> we, we can we, skip it if you want. Yeah, I know, no, I can totally I can give a very broad stroke. Okay. So, we do with the exception of our lamb from New Zealand. Uh, We really prioritize, and by mean priorities, I mean pretty much work exclusively with domestic suppliers. So our, and actually for the most part, along the West Coast. So we specifically partner directly with the sources. So it's not like we're working with a middleman. A lot of times, especially in our industry, there'll be ingredient brokers who will call you up and be like, Hey, I've got 700 pounds of this available. And it's sometimes they're kind of like fell off the back of the truck kind of Ah. (laughs) tables, but we're really, we're really big on accountability and transparency. So we work directly with the ranchers and we're able to ask them questions. And a lot of times they'll have situations where they are long on certain cuts so we can help them use parts of the animals that might not normally get sold. And we do use hearts and livers. So there's a lot of benefits to working directly with your supplier. Because of the strength of our relationships, we have not experienced the same shortage issues that a lot of other companies have. In terms of our produce, we sometimes, again, that's actually the only place that we do work with a distributor is with our fresh produce. And again, that's that's still they work with farms pretty much in Southern California and we know exactly which farms things are coming from. The distributor works with high end restaurants in the LA area for the most part. So we got some lucky dogs.
2: What has been the overall reception to the food? How was the you know distribution been? I will note that I enjoyed the meet our pack page. I've been I, I'm Full disclosure, I've been digesting the website for, for a week now, and I will not be the first one to say, but I am very, very impressed with your operation.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, we're a very small company, mostly word of mouth. Uh, we made our biggest splash early on when we were a more traditional retail brand. So when we we're mostly direct to consumer right now, mm-hmm. but when we started out, we were working with a traditional wholesale model. And when we were scheduled to jump to distribution, we actually had this great idea that we were going to eat our dog food for a month.
2: (laughs) Interesting.
0: So this actually got us kind of an amazing reception. It was timed to happen with our distribution launch where we'd be available throughout the entire Northeast. And it was kind of modeled after Morgan Spurlock's super Size meat. We were thought we were being very clever. Uh, the idea <laughs> was that we were going to eat the dog food for a full meal for lunch every day and broadcast it live online, uh, live feeds, if you will. And then the rest of the day, we were going to limit ourselves to ingredients in the food. We lost a couple pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but we also got international press. I mean, it snowballed. First, it was one little article. Then, it was a radio thing on 1010 Winds, which is like the New York local AM station. Mm. Then, Jeannie Moe's from CNN came to our house. Suddenly, it was like this nationally syndicated segment that went on for a month. And this actually all happened with a press release before we even took a single bite of dog food. Oh, wow. Um, it was this tsunami. And in the meantime, the kitchen where we were supposed to do the big batch of our dis- for our distribution launch, the head chef there had to have heart surgery, and it pushed everything back like a month or two. Yeah. So we totally could not capitalize on this very very intense but brief period of interest. <laughs> so the initial reception could have been amazing, but. After that, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a grind getting out there. We're mm-hmm. a small company. We're self-funded now on a case-by-case basis. The reception's incredible. We have die-hard customers. We have loyal fans. We have people who have been on this food, or their dogs have been on this food for well over a decade. So, so we may not be nationally known in quite the same way as a lot of other brands, but I would say that we're we're for the dognochenti.
2: So what's next for the both of you?
0: Oh, that is a really good question. Well, in terms of the company, we are going to be introducing cat food. That's mm. really exciting. It was actually supposed to come out in 2020, but the universe had other plans. <laughs> we, right. had, we definitely had to sort of focus on making the food that we were already making and uh dealing with the fact that people were stocking up on it like it was toilet paper. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but yeah, so cat food is coming out next and we're also working on developing a treat line. So that's that's what's next for the company and just going to awesome. keep doing what we're doing, which is making the best food out there.
2: I always like to ask one fun off-topic question. What shows are you into right now and what kind of music
0: Oh God, that is also on the spot. I have not been having the time to watch too much television, mm-hmm. but I absolutely love Prehistoric Planet, the um oh. Apple TV show um, that David Attenborough is narrating, mm-hmm. where it imagines dinosaurs, which is it's great because it's like a nature show that's mm-hmm. not depressing, because all the nature shows right now are really depressing, especially the yeah. David Attenborough ones. <laughs> so, so it's really. It's just phenomenal what they're able to do with the CGI now and imagine that planet, which is based, I mean, our planet so far in the past, and it's just really vivid. And um, So I'm having a lot of fun with that. I generally watch a lot of nature documentaries. Prehistoric Planet is really fun. I did start watching the new Star Wars one, the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi one. I only got an episode in. I'm a little bit all over the place in my TV habits.
2: I'm not a big TV watcher, but I am watching Obi-Wan Kenobi 2. And as a child of the early 80s, I'm going to just say you're in for a real treat. Okay. All right. So what would be the best way for my listeners to follow Evermore Pet Food online?
0: Sure. Just first of all, go to our website, evermorepetfood.com. And then in terms of uh, on social media, we are definitely most active on Instagram, mm-hmm. where our handle is Evermore Food surprisingly. Nice. So those would be the two places where I think you're going to get the most action. We're also on Facebook, uh, again, slash Evermore Pet food, But once again, I think Instagram is generally where it's at for us.
2: I always end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is, and just real fast, your comments about prehistoric planet may make this answer even more special, come to think about it. The question is, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth?
0: Sure. It would be treat every living being with compassion and treat them with the respect that you would want to be treated with. So I guess it's a version of the golden rule. Um, The only exception might be ticks or mosquitoes. I'm not quite a hundred percent there with (laughs) that.
2: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Hannah. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on today. I want to wish you both nothing but the absolute continued best success. You guys have got something really special here.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you. And just like that, Dival Nation, we come to the conclusion of episode 64. I want to thank Hannah Mandelbaum, which, by the way, that's a real fun name to say. Hannah Mandelbaum. You have no idea how long I practiced to say that perfectly. So anyway, I want to thank Hannah for taking the time out of her incredibly busy schedule to speak with me. Like I said at the top of the show, she was just an incredibly lovely person to speak with, and hopefully down the line, she might want to come back on and talk about other projects that they might be working on. We have got a massive surprise guest for release on July the 4th. When I say massive... This is a Mount Rushmore guest and one that I worked very, very hard to get. So be sure to check our streaming service and hit that subscribe button to be alerted when that drops. You are not going to want to miss this. I'll give you a clue. If you've ever seen a military movie, this guy's in it, okay? That's my only clue I'm going to give you. All right, so that being said, we also have some more fun Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies coming out soon, so be sure to stick around for those. We just have so much fun recording them. They're just such a... Time for me and Mindy to just laugh. So, on behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duval Show, I want to say to each and every one of you, be safe, be well, and treat all animals with love and kindness. Except ticks and mosquitoes. Then, no star. God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth.
1: This has been a recording of the Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duvall Show.